Reading from Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. One verse of scripture this morning. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Would you read with me just that first phrase? Everyone together. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The word vision in this scripture does not mean exactly what we usually think of in terms of vision. Although there are spiritual relationships to our understanding of vision that are applicable here. Usually we think of vision, we say a person has 20-20 vision, he can see pretty good, or he has insight and we call that vision, or he has foresight and we call that vision. Uh, Sometimes he's a man of ambition, we say that's a man of vision. And while all those things are true, this particular verse and that word vision used in the Hebrew here is rather a revelation from God. Without a revelation from God, the people perish. The question is not how visionary are we or how much insight do we have or how much comprehension or understanding do we have or how good is our eyesight but the question is do we hear from God do we hear from God where there is no vision the people perish now that word perish is a similar word used in John 3:16 for God so loved the world that who that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, that word doesn't mean annihilation. It means die. It means a spiritual death. Where there is no word from God to our heart, the people spiritually die where there is no vision the people perish now the Bible says much about visions in Job 20 verse 8 there's a word about the vision in the night in Isaiah 22 1 the burden of the valley of vision when you have the vision like the scripture is speaking of, there's sometimes a burden connected with it. Lamentations 2.9, the prophets find no vision from the Lord. Hosea 12.10, I have multiplied vision. Joel 2.28, young men shall see visions. Zechariah 13.4, ashamed every man of his vision. Acts 26, 19, Paul, before the king, was saying, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And in Acts chapter 9, Paul had a vision. And let me read it to you. Beginning in chapter, rather, Acts 16, beginning in verse 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit allowed them not. And they passing by Mysia, 
came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia beseeching him and saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Paul was a man who heard the word of God. Sometimes he would say, I didn't get this from men. Sometimes he said, I didn't even get it from Peter and, uh, and, uh, and uh, James and John, who were the pillars in the church. He said, I got what I got from God. And in this particular chapter, Paul wanted to go to Bithynia, which was to take the gospel north, possibly up toward the Black Sea, out toward Russia and Mongolia and China and over in the east. But the Spirit wouldn't let him do it. A revelation from God, a vision from God said no. And so they went down to Troas. And he was asleep. Now we're not to think that every dream that comes to us in our sleep is a vision from God. I'm sure there are visions from God but the way we can know if a vision is really from God is it checks out with the Word of God. God is never going to give you some kind of illumination in your heart, in your mind, that is in contradiction to His revealed Word. And this is one of the important factors for us to recognize today in a day of cultism and spiritism and, and uh, charismism and all of these other things. God never gives a revelation that is validated from God that's in contradiction to the revealed Word of God. Paul had a vision in the night. Sometimes the dreams we have are because we ate onions before we went to sleep. Or cucumbers. Or something else. But I want to tell you, sometimes there can come to you in the night a word from God. Check it out. Be sure it's from God. Basically, the vision we get from God today is the word of God in his word, in his Bible, revealed word. And Paul, sleeping in, Macedon sleeping in Troas, had a vision in the night. And he saw some men from Macedonia with outstretched hands, I think. The record may not say that, but I visualize that. And they said, come over into Macedonia and help us. Remember that Troas was located on the Aegean Sea. Way across the Aegean Sea was that ancient land of Greece. That's where Alexander the Great was from. That's where all the Greek culture was from. That's where all the myth mythological gods were from. That was the center of, of Greek culture. And God said in the night, come over into Macedonia. The next day he told his friends, and the scripture says, we, Luke was now writing, and Luke had joined them at Troas, and along with Paul and Timothy and the others with Luke, the beloved physician, they crossed the Aegean Sea 
and took the gospel to Europe for the very first time. A direct revelation from God. Where there is no vision, where there is no revealing of the Word of God, where there is no Word of God spoken to our hearts, the people perish. The people die spiritually. People were dying in Macedonia without God, without hope, lost and choked in their Greek mythological cultures. But God loved them. And God said, Paul, get up and go. Take the gospel there. And without any hesitation, they got up and took the glorious gospel. Now we need men of vision today. Men of vision. I don't mean just men of insight, men of foresight, but men who dream a dream and check it out with the Word of God and know that that's God's revealing it to them. And I'm not talking necessarily about some kind of a dream in the night or some kind of a daydream. I'm talking about something God lays on our hearts. And as we check it out from the book, it's real, it's there. I think there have been men of all ages who have had visions. I think of those men who've met together to frame the Constitution of the United States. They had a vision of building a great nation under God. And they got in a squabble. And right in the middle of the squabble, somebody stood up and said, Men, we need to have a prayer meeting. And they paused for a while and had a prayer meeting and came back together and put together the greatest document that has ruled governments of men ever. They had a word from God. Years after that, there were men who wanted to unite the East with the West. And this is a little told story. They had railroads that were going toward the West. And God laid on the heart of a Christian that somehow those railroads ought to connect. And men who had been out in covered wagons and across the plains and across the prairies and had found the Rocky Mountains said it is impossible. We can never build a railroad across the United States. And a man said, God gave me a vision. It can be done. And they began to build. And they built from the east and they built from the west and they built from the east and from the west until there came a day when they looked at each other eye to eye and the rails were together and they drove a gold spike. And the revelation and vision that God had given was fulfilled. Paul had a vision. And he said later, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. I want to lay on our hearts this morning. The brevity of time must lead me on to say it quickly. We need a vision. You and I who are gathered at this auditorium this morning and some who have joined us by radio, we need a vision. We need a vision of our world. Our world in tragic need of the Lord Jesus Christ. I went to Cairo years ago 
and saw beggars lying all over the streets of Cairo with a hand stretched out. The last time we were in Cairo, they took us in a different route and we didn't see that. But I've seen terrible starvation. In India, millions go to bed hungry. I heard a radio announcer yesterday say, yesterday, a quarter of a billion people went to bed hungry. What he didn't tell us was there were two billions of people who went to bed spiritually hungry. They may have had some food in their stomachs, but no knowledge of God in their minds and in their lives that could transform them and change them. And I do not mean to be misunderstood this morning, but in India, that land of starvation, oh my friend, please don't think I'm critical. Don't think I'm, don't, don't, don't think I'm, uh, saying a word against those precious people. But that land of India has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of cows. But their religion keeps them from killing a cow so they could eat it because they do not know Jesus. They have not been liberated and freed in Jesus. Two hundred and eight thousand babies are born every minute. Two billion people live where there are no churches. Over one billion people have never heard of Jesus Christ. A hundred and thirty-eight thousand more lost people in the world today than there were last day, yesterday. And next Sunday when we come to Sunday school, there will be a million more lost people than they were when we arrived here today. This year will end with 50 million more lost souls than when we began it. 146,000 people will die within the next 24 hours, most of them lost. 345,000 babies will be born in the next 24 hours who will live, die, and go to hell without ever having been presented the gospel of Christ. Today there are nine times more people who have never heard the gospel than the total world population when Jesus gave, gave the Great Commission. And so I want to ask you to see our world. Our world is in need. We need a vision of a world way out there, across the sea, across the oceans, across the continents. And then we need to see our world closer up, this great land of the free and home of the brave, which is quickly becoming a great mission field and growing paganistic at a midnight race. We need a vision. Secondly, and when I say vision, I'm talking about a word from God. I'm talking about helping us to see the world as Jesus sees it. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35, 36, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion Jesus saw a world in terrible need. And secondly, we need a vision of our work, the work here at the Glendale Baptist Church. We need to see a vision of this work. What does that revelation of God reveal to us? Either we are a small speck 
on the globe of the world, insignificant, and we don't mean a thing. And we can go on with a case or sarah attitude and say, well, so what, so what? Or we can see this work at Glendale Baptist Church as a training center for world conquest. A training center for world conquest. Now I want to ask you to wake up. Listen to me this morning. I got something important to say. Everybody look at me, please. Only way you ever tried to preach and speak to people and they're looking all over into space. I want you to look at me. I've got something really important to say to you. Listen. This world needs what we have to give. The Lord Jesus told me to say these things to you today from the bottom of my heart. Our view of the church can be revealed by our faithfulness and loyalty and what we give to our church. If we think of the church as well as just a fuel station, we come in there on Sunday morning and we get a little bit of singing and we get a little bit of preaching and we give, an op- give a little bit of an offering and then we go out and we're free for the rest of the week. If that's all the church means, then it's insignificant and you have no vision. But if the church becomes that, that focus of a training center, from which the gospel of Christ can sound out to all of Bowling Green, to all of Warren County, to the ends of the earth, then God will give us a vision to be loyal, to be faithful. And when the door opens, I want to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I want to get in on the visitation and the soul winning because I'd like to see our church have a vast radio ministry. I'd like to see our church have a television ministry to reach out beyond closed doors where we could never get in and knock on anybody's door. They'd never answer, but the television could get in there, and it is today, and our church needs to get in on it. And we would see a vision of this church almost having wheelbarrows going down the aisle to collect the offering instead of those little tiny offering plates that we've used for over 20 years. Shame on us. When we come together, we ought to give God more than just His tithe. We ought to say, Lord, I love You. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, it's now. And because of love, I want to share with a world in need of the gospel. I'll tithe to tell. And our giving becomes not an obligation, but an opportunity. And we get so involved in the Lord's local church that we say, Lord, as for me, others may take care of all kinds of ministries and programs around the world. Listen, I get a stack of requests this thick all the time, all the time. And man, you think that doesn't cause praying? I got a heart. I've got a heart that's moved. They write and say there's, a, there's, a, there's these, there are these core orphans in Korea. 
And there are these uh, poor people in, in, in Vietnam. In, I mean, the Vietnamese, the boat people. And here are these, and here are these, and here are these, and here's the moral majority, and, and here's this work, and here's this work, and all these other works. And, and my heart moves with compassion. Lord, oh, I'd like to be part of all of that. And then the Lord says, but, but Richard, what about the place that's sounding out the gospel to the ends of the earth that you're part of? And it brings me back to reality. And I say, oh, my soul. I am part of a program of work that's trying to reach out to the ends of the earth. I'm going to give what I have to give through my Lord's church. All on the altar for Him. Because I believe in the church. I believe Jesus gave Himself for the church. Oh, listen, 113 times in the New Testament, the word ecclesia appears. 97 to 98 of those times, it's referring to a local body of baptized believers called to carry out the work of God. The other times, that word church is used to refer to the whole body of Christ, not as seen through man's eyes, but seen through Jesus' eyes. You check it out in Ephesians. The church without spot or wrinkle. He's the one that does that. But what we do today must needs be done through the Lord's church. One thing I appreciate about Jerry Falwell, and he, many, many don't agree with what he's doing. One thing I appreciate about him, he's tried to carry it out through a local church. He's built a great school. He's built a great program that reaches out to the ends of America to say, listen America, we need to call this nation back to God, but he's doing it through a local church. I like that. I appreciate the ministry of Lee Robertson, who for years and years and years and years and years and years and years thundered out the gospel of Christ and built a great work there that reached all around the world, and their one church supports over 500 missionaries. I appreciate the work of Dr. W.A. Crystal, First Baptist Church in Dallas, who has for, for, for 40 years has thundered out the gospel from that place and now has a school, a high school, grade school, and, and a college, church-centered. I believe in the church. And I'd like to encourage us to say, Jesus, I want a vision of your church, not me as an individual, but your church. My life joined with the lives of others, part of our believers, reaching out to a world, a whole world, in need of the gospel from the Glendale Baptist Church that Jesus might receive the honor and glory. Without a vision, the people perish. Last of all, and I'm going to skip some things I planned to say and wanted to say, we need a vision of our weakness and the Word of God, His strength. Paul, uh, Isaiah had a vision. It was from God. He saw the Lord. He said, I've seen the King and I'll die. Woe is me, for I am undone and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Beloved, we need to see from God how miserable, poor, and wretched, and weak we really are. The humanist would say, man is everything. I am captain of my fate. The Christian has to say, I am nothing, but he is everything. 
and the Word of God, written Word, which testifies to the living Word, Jesus, is our strength and our help. O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Jesus. And why is Jesus able to be all of that? Because He died for you and me. He died on a cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And the blood streamed down that old cross, forming a pool of blood at the foot of the cross, that sinners plunged beneath that blood should lose all their guilty stains. And the Bible says Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. He loved us. He loved you and me. If you're here today and you've never received that love into your heart, you've known about it, you've heard about it, I mean you've never really opened your heart and said, come in, come in, come in. God has a lot of love to give, but He cannot give it unless you're willing to receive it. I don't mean to make a foolish analogy, but sometimes a husband has a lot of love to give, but he cannot give it unless his wife is open to it. A wife has a lot of love to give, but she cannot give it unless her husband is open to it. God has a lot of love to give, but he cannot give it unless your heart is open. Unless you're willing to receive what Jesus did for you on the cross. Would you receive him today as your Savior, as your Lord? Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that Paul was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. We pray that we might not be disobedient to that same vision. A word from God, a revelation of God in our hearts. And may we be willing as God's people, called by the name of Jesus, to say, Lord, I'll be what you want me to be beginning first by receiving Christ and then giving you my gifts and talents in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? Everyone standing. Now we're going to sing. I want to ask nobody to leave during the singing of this hymn. This is God's invitation. It'll last just a few moments. If you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, Open your heart to his love. Say, come in, Lord. I need you. I've been looking for you. I, I knew there was something missing in my life. I didn't know exactly what it was. But I've heard today it's God's love. And I want God's love in my life through Jesus Christ. Would you do that? Receive him as your Savior. And let the blood cleanse from every sin. And friend... If you're here and your membership is in some other church, you've been looking for a church home where you could invest your life and talents and, and, and so on, why don't you ask God right now, Lord, is this where you want me? If it is, help me not delay, but just go right on and plunge in today. You come and do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Any other way God has impressed your heart. There may be someone here who has heard God's call to service. And you'd be willing to say, Lord, I'll put my life on the line for you. Whatever you want, I'll do it. While we begin to sing.
who will come for the king. Will you come right now?